Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast night here on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight you're listening to Breaking the Silence, Healing the Pain. Breaking the Silence and Healing the Pain offers an open and candid dialogue platform in which you can discuss issues involving sexual abuse, emotional abuse, addiction, depression, just to name a few. Join us tonight with your host, Janoris, Tasha, Tammy, and Tony. And it's August the 18th, 2016, and we are here for another episode of Breaking the Silence, Healing the Pain, and I'm assuming my audio is working. <laughs> I want to welcome you tonight to our show. I see you calling in, and keep on calling in. Tonight's show, and I'm joined by, let me put this out of the way first, I'm joined by Janoris and Latasha and Mark. Now, normally we have another host who is Tammy, and regrettably, Tammy had other projects that she had to get involved in, so we are suffering the loss of one of our hosts, but uh, she may call in sometime, she may join us, but we are all sad to see her go, but she's still with us working behind the scenes, but she had other things she had to do, other projects she had to pursue that were for the betterment. So um, I'm definitely happy for her. I'm sad to see her go, but I'm happy for her, and I give her a round of applause in her new endeavorment. And with that being said, I am, of course, I said I'm sitting here with Janoris, with Latasha, and Mark Anthony. And tonight we're discussing alcohol and drug addiction. I see you calling in. Tell your friends, tell mom and them, tell everybody that we're on. Alcohol and drug addiction, how it affects relationships. So what I'm going to do is, how are we going to do this tonight? If you've listened to us before, I'm going to kind of give us a little little pre-talk about what we're going to be talking about. And then each one of us are kind of going to kind of give our little little insides of it. And then after the first break, we'll probably open up the lines. But if you want to talk, go ahead and press 1 and we'll get to you after that break. So keep coming on. I see everybody is lined up. We are getting jam-packed on the phones. So call everybody and let them know. 323-784-9638 and press 1 if you want to speak on the air. But like right now, we're not taking the air calls. We're going to talk. So alcohol and drug addictions. Now, last week we um, we did uh, sexual addiction. And uh, that was an excellent show. Tonight, alcohol and drug addiction, how it affects relationships. So what we're focusing on tonight is how does this disease affect your relationships. And I'm going to say something briefly and pass the torch to one of my lovely co-hosts. Alcoholism, I was interested enough, I was looking online, everybody, to do research on it. And I came across this, this alcoholism definition. And it said, it, it, it said, alcohol dependence, they called it, alcoholism, a chronic disease uh, characterized by uncontrolled drinking and a preoccupation with alcohol. But the next line, Mark, said it's very common, very common. It That's is. what it says. It says wow. more than 3 million U.S. cases per year. That means wow. three million more every year. I become addicted to alcohol. It says it can't be cured. A lot of people didn't know that. They thought they could be cured from drinking. This says it can't be cured, and I, I usually reveal my source. This is um, Mayo Clinic. It's the Mayo Clinic online, and it says it's usually self-diagnosable. You think? It says that lab tests and imaging 
are not required. So you don't have to go down to a, a lab, Janoris, and say, can you test me to see if I'm an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. And it says that it's chronic. It can last for years or be lifelong, Latasha. So that means that it says that the symptoms, and I just kind of want to put this out there, included repeated alcohol consumption despite related legal and health issues. Now, let me say that in Ebonics, okay? Now, let, let me say that plainly. You're drinking, even though you might get locked up about something or you might have a health issue. So my view of this is the families. How does this affect the family? How does this affect relationships? And actually, uh, upon my research, and I, I see you out there, 323-784-9638, I came across some pretty interesting information I'm going to get into later in the show. But right now, I didn't want to hog up the space. And somewhere later in the show, um, I may. Uh, I, I've got some things on my mind that I kind of wanted to lay on you guys to talk about um, out there listening because uh, they may help somebody. So I'm struggling with it, but I may do it toward the end of the show. So hang around, and um, I might try to get to that. So with that being said, that's how I take it, and I I just wanted to give a brief layout of it. And I'm going to pass the torch to my lovely co-host, Janoris. (laughs) Hey, Sonny, thanks. This is Janoris, everybody. Hello. Have a good evening. Um, Alcoholism is uh, is a... a topic that is I uh, have a lot of personal experience with. I've never personally had a problem with drinking alcohol or drugs, but I grew up in an alcoholic uh, household. My dad was an alcoholic. And, you know, when I was growing up as a child, I um, I really didn't know what that meant. I would hear my mom, you know, telling them he was an alcoholic and he needed to stop drinking but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, but I watched him, and I associated the actions that he did that caused so much confusion in the household and in the family with what an alcoholic does. Like, he he was self-employed, so he worked for himself during the day, but he had a nighttime job, and so he worked the uh, 11 to 7 shift. And I can remember... Some nights on the weekends and during the summers when it was time for him to get up to go to work, we couldn't wake him up. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, my daddy sleeps so hard. You know, we would be pulling his hair and, you know, all this, but he wouldn't move. And so that was something that I associated with it. I didn't know at the time he was passed out. Didn't realize that until I was much older. Or the Mm -hmm. reckless driving, like driving, swerving Mm -hmm. in the street or you know, staggering and that kind of stuff. And so that's what I thought in that call. And, he, he, you know, when he wouldn't get up to go to work, you know, that would cause problems with him and my mom. And so I didn't realize just how much it affected all of us until I actually got to be an adult. And, um, you know, I married an alcoholic and lived with him for years and years and years before I recognized it because I associated the things that I knew about my dad with, what he was doing. He drank just about every day, but in contrast, he always got up to go to work. He never had DUIs, not any that I know of anyway, Uh, and, you know, never the staggering, never any of that kind of stuff. And so I was making a comparison, and it wasn't really adding up, but it was not until, you know, much later that I realized that, um, that he was. And so uh, I just want to go on record to state that it really does affect everybody in the household. That's true. And I'll yeah. That's true. So I'll turn it over to uh to somebody else. Well I can well, call in this Okay. Press one if you want to speak to the host. Go ahead, Tasha, I'm sorry. Oh no that's okay. Basically, I just wanted to just share, you know, my experience as far as growing up with the drug addiction. You know, I've had um, a family member that was, you know, definitely addicted to drugs. And just to watch them go through the transition of, you know, getting high all their life, just 
looking at the out, outcome of it now. You know, the outcome of it now is, you know, um, he has dementia now, you know, um, and I don't ever remember being able to have those um, great moments of him being sober, being in my life growing up as a kid. And I just remember, you know, the bad choices that were made from, you know, using drugs and going back wishing that they would have did things differently, you know, and spent money differently because, you know, there was a lot of money blown, you know, just on, you know, using drugs and, you know, you cry and you just wish that things would be different because you feel so sorry for them because, you know, one part of me wanted to believe that they wanted to be different, they wanted to change, mm-hmm. you know, but the other part, I guess the, the addiction just had that control where they just couldn't, you know, make that decision for themselves. Eventually they ended up going into rehab, but it was so many years later that they had wasted so much years of their life that they didn't really get to enjoy, you know, being able to live life to the fullest. Wow. 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 Wow, it's something else. Wow, it really happens. That that happens in this life. Hey, good evening to our listening audience out there. It's your boy Mark Anthony, and we're here for another wonderful show. Uh, we're talking about drug and alcohol abuse. We noticed that substance abuse has an impact on all types of relationships. Uh, as we've heard from some of our other hosts, that it can destroy families, and also it can lead to disharmony in the workplace. Now, a lot of times the abuser will find solace in the company of other heavy drinkers or other uh, drug users, and that group will support that abuse, and they provide that individual with a sense of belonging, a sense of security. But, excuse me, belonging to such a group can make it more difficult for that individual to break away from that addiction. So in order to be successful in the recovery, it will usually be necessary to build a new network of friends who will support your sobriety. In other words, you've got to sort of change your place. We'll, I'll get into it a little bit later on into the show of uh, some of the effects of the alcohol and drug abuse. But I just wanted to touch base a little bit on the fact that a lot of times the recovery process is hindered just because of our surroundings. And I think we all can agree that whenever we're trying to make a change in life, sometimes we have to change our environment. What do you think Absolutely. about that, Tony? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that's the hardest part. And in, 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 in a rela- in, as it relates to a relationship, and I'm looking at families right now in a relationship, the problem, Mark, I find, is that the family often looks at the person addicted to the alcohol or drug as weak. And they look at that person and they say, look, you need to stop this. Look, you need to get yourself together. Look, you need to stop drinking. You need to stop smoking that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's running. Right. You can't see that. Now, the person doesn't want to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. When I was using, I didn't want to use. But... There's chemical imbalances in your brain that gives you a survival uh, feeling. I heard a quote somebody okay. said in, in Narcotics Anonymous, and people that don't use may not get it or, or have never used. But the quote is this, and this is how I felt when I didn't have drugs or alcohol. And I'm going to relate it to the family in just a minute. The quote says, every time I draw a clean breath, I'm like a fish out of water. So mm. Mm. most people that draw clean breaths, oh, it smells good. But when you're addicted and you draw a clean breath, you, you're choking like a fish. You're wobbling. So yes. the family That's does true. not always relate to that. So we might be at a family picnic. I'm I'm thinking about some weed. I'm thinking about some, some alcohol. And then they're looking at me as a problem. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the part the part about the relationships really gets to be something where it's an issue and I'm going to say this before I let this go that's why they've got alcoholics anonymous um co- cocaine anonymous all these particular groups but guess what they got alanon alanon yes is a group that meets 
just for the families and friends of alcohol. Now, you ask yourself, why would we need a group for people that ain't using? Because it's screwing up families, Mark. It's screwing up relationships, Latasha. It's screwing up mamas and daughters and daddies and sons, Janoris. That's why. Can anybody... Can anybody relate? I definitely can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. Like when you have family gatherings, I can remember times that we've gotten together. See, alcoholism runs on both sides of the family, on on my side of the family and on the the married side of, of, of the family. And we would go to cookouts and have picnics and everything. And, you know, the people who couldn't handle alcohol, you would always you know, be able to see them and hear them, and it would be embarrassing to the children of the people who were doing mm-hmm. it because everybody's kind of looking and, you know, nobody wants to say anything, but they're like, you know, here, here he goes again or here she goes again. And so, you know, it causes a, a certain amount of embarrassment for the children, and, you know, they don't realize, they don't, they don't even think about it because they're into, you know, mm-hmm. they're into their alcohol, but it really does. It, mm-hmm. it, affects, uh, it affects everybody. Well, let me ask you this before we go to break, uh, Janoris, since you brought it up. And and I'm going to go ahead and ask it. (laughs) You said that my my dad was an alcoholic, and you said Mm -hmm. you married an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, Could it be, and and I know they, they said this happens, could it be that subliminally you were comfortable in that environment and, and when it mm-hmm. yeah in other words when you got married was he already a drinker did you pick up certain things or was it after because if it was before I'm kind of wondering if you were kind of comfortable in that environment well this is what I've learned about it over the years so when we uh, got married when we were dating and got married we were young and you know going out to clubs or going to parties and having a drink was kind of like the mm-hmm. thing to do I didn't overindulge so I didn't see it as being a problem and he when he drank, I didn't see the same effects that I saw on my dad, so I didn't see a problem with him either. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You you get to a sense of what is familiar to you, okay? It may not be healthy for you, but it can be familiar to you, and that's, and that's comfortable in its own way. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I did not realize it until many, many years later when I was watching him, you know, drink a fifth of alcohol a day and then, you know, have people call me and say, hey, I've been trying to get in touch with him. Where is he? So he hasn't shown up at the job site. So those are the things that start to trigger for me because those are the things that happen with my dad, not showing up for work and, uh, you know, drinking all day and that kind of stuff. So, yep, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I kind of figured that because a lot of times people get used to that environment and we call it as as the guy said last week, generational curses. And I want to get into that after the break because people do say that drinking can be a generational curse. Which brings us back to the Bible, Mark. We'll be right back after this message. Don't go anywhere. Tell people to call right now. This is the soul of America Radio. If you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. Worldwide Talk Radio. This is the soul of America Radio. Sexual abuse, emotional abuse, addiction, and depression, domestic violence. We are breaking the silence, healing the pain. Remember, if you want to join us on the show, dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 if you want to speak on the air. And now, back to the show and our host, Janoris. 
Latarsha, and Tammy. And welcome back. I had everybody muted out. Sorry about that. Welcome back to the show. And 323-784-9638 is how you can call in and and give your opinion about it, or just listen, because uh, we've got some dialogue we're kind of going over anyway. And um, if you're already listening right now, if you're on the line listening, you can press 1 if you want to talk about this or, or make some kind of comment about it, or if you got a story to share. I mean, really, if you got a story to share, you don't have to give your name. Uh, I would like to hear it. I, I know we would like to hear it. Somebody out there might like to hear it. Uh, with that in mind, I'm going to briefly touch on what I was about to say involving um, before we went to break. Um, there are things that people say are passed down to generations, and I, I want to specifically ask Tarsha what she think about this. There are things that people say can be passed down from generation to generation. Well, if that's the case, it makes me wonder if, if I'm destined to be an alcoholic, because my great-grandfather was and his grandfather, um, is it more genetic than environment? So in relations to it being a generational curse, I wanted to know if you have, Tarsha, if you have, if you feel as if that it is possible to have a generational curse of alcohol, or do you think it's more of a behavioral issue? Well, addiction is addiction. You know, you can. I feel like you can be addicted to alcohol. You could be addicted to drug abuse. You could be addicted to sexual addiction. I mean, it's just different addictions. And as far as like the generational curse is concerned, it's all it all was still tied under addiction. Mm-hmm. So it maybe alcohol might not be your drug of choice, but drugs are. Activity mm-hmm. drugs your drug of choice of your addiction, and it still would be considered under the generational curse because it's still all poisonous, hmm. and it's an addiction. Well, it's a decision, right? Isn't it a Say decision to drink? Isn't is a isn't it a decision to drink? It's not. I know it's, we, we speak about gender, but isn't it actually a decision? We were talking about that on sexual addiction, and everybody was adamant. Oh, it's a decision. But nobody puts a gun in your head and said, drink this. And even though it may be a generational curse or a behavioral thing, it's, to me, I don't see the difference in what the point y'all were trying to make last week on it's just a decision because it's a decision to drink. Like, why can't they just put it down? Just stop it. You see what I'm saying? It's because, a decision. Because I think that, I think honestly, I think if it was that easy, I think that people, especially when they're losing jobs, when they're losing relationships, when you're losing um, yourself, you know, in in this, um, in, in alcoholism or drug addiction, if it was that easy, then you would be able to just walk away. So that goes to show you it's just not that easy to just walk away from it because if it was that case, then people would be glad to do it because I don't think that everybody wants to stay in that situation, especially losing your loved ones. You know, I've, I mean, I've, I've watched it in my family for years. You know, I watched, you know, how um, family members would get drunk and you wake up and they're laying in the middle of the floor and don't even remember what happened last night after being in fights. So, I don't think people intentionally want to live like that. I think that that's the way that they cope with life situations. Well, you know, Tasha, in a way, I kind of agree with you. But at the same token, I'm feeling what Tony is saying. I, I, I can feel what Tony is saying because a lot of times people say that we are uh, predisposed uh, to alcoholism. All right. Well, my mother was considered an alcoholic. Yet I can drink two drinks a year and I'm fine. So why am I not uh, an alcoholic when she was? I think what happens is we choose to drink, and when we know that it's getting out of hand, that is at the time that we should make the choice to stop drinking. However, we continue to drink, 
and before long, guess what? It's gotten out of hand. And then, as you said, we do need help in quitting. But to continue to drink is to make a choice. Yeah, you're making the choice. You think about this. People who drink, they drink for a reason, an effect. And that alcohol takes them out of wherever it is that they currently are, that they don't want to be, that they want to escape from, and it takes them someplace right. else. And so right. that is what they continue to do, and that's the reason they do it, because they don't want to be in this particular space. They want to be any place where they so they don't have to think about it, they don't have to deal with it. But once they are no longer, you know, intoxicated, wants to hide it down, then not only are they dealing with the same issue that had them drinking in the beginning, now they're dealing with the other things that have happened and transpired as a result of that, you know, relationships being messed up, wife being mad with your husband being mad with your children looking at you in disgust, all of those things. When the alcohol is just um, a temporary fix for the problem that will never get fixed with alcohol. Wow. Wonderfully stated. Wonderfully stated. (laughs) Right. You know, it's, it, it's, it's you just, you're basically just numbing the pain. It's just mm-hmm. numbing the pain, like she said. Well, the, the situation tends to get worse. Yeah. Say that again. I said the, the situation tends to get worse as we're drinking or, or doing drugs to numb the pain. But whatever we were trying to escape, that's getting worse. Right. Let, let, let me read something to y'all from the alcoholrehab.com. This is a Mayo Clinic this, uh, 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 research. And it says, and this is a trip, it says, evidence shows that a family history of alcoholism is a risk factor. The Mayo Clinic has found that persons with an alcoholic parent are more much more likely to develop a dependency on alcohol. Acknowledging an increased risk like this early in life can help stem problems. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, I'm wondering if, I'm wondering, and I I don't see it on here, and it may not even be necessary to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm wondering, there's got to be a barrier, there's got to be an issue between black people and white people. I'm not pulling the, the race card, but think about it. The socioeconomic structures are different. Look at good times. Look, look, look how every week James got fired from a job. James, you got a job. And they have a party. And before 7.30, he was fired. And you go to, you go to the, um, you know, the nicer side of the town, they didn't have those same kind of problems. But they drank. So I'm wondering if it's, because it says here that it, and I don't think it's inside. I don't think it's chemical. I think it's, I think it's behavior. I think watching, you know, when I was growing up, and we would go, we would go to North Carolina and visit my dad's family every Christmas, right? And I thought it was so cool how my my uncles would throw all those beers in the refrigerator, and they would get ice cold, and they would say, "Anthony, bring me a beer." Man, I thought I felt like I had the most important job in the world because I was young. Oh, I get to get the beer. You know what I'm saying? So I would walk in the refrigerator and wrap my hands around that can. And my and my dad always tell me, if you drink a beer before you're 19, I'll kill you. And, and so my mind was like, I can't wait to get 19. To drink a beer. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. I can't, that. I can't wait. Until I turn, in fact. When I turned 16, I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and try I can't wait till I get 19. I really can't wait. So I think a lot of it has to do with the visualizations that we see as children. And then with weed and, and dope and alcohol and cocaine, I, I never, my, none of my family members, um, uh, the older ones did it, but the younger ones did it. And I got fixated with weed. So I really think it's... Um, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the environment, and like this thing I just read said, if we can pick up on that early enough, and not be in denial, I think we can help it. It's a blessing, Janoris, that you didn't uh, turn out to be a drinker uh, like that. Absolutely, you know, right? absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I, can, yes. I can take it or leave it. 
in fact, all of my all of my siblings, none of my siblings that I know of have a problem with alcohol. And I can just remember watching my dad. So I, I I hardly didn't even want to drink in college because it was just I just had such bad memories from it. So I, I just feel like I'm blessed. Absolutely. You well, are. you are because it it is a killer, and it sneaks up. It's sneaky. I'm gonna give a little. Um, more information about that. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say something right after this uh, break I got lined up. Uh, I wanted to mention on the effects of it. I kind of been holding back. I don't hear any music, but my staff is telling me it's there. Is it there? Yeah. Okay, there it is. It okay. is. All right. I'm sorry, guys. So we'll be right back after this, and I got something to share. Don't go anywhere. Hello, everybody. My name is Towns Douglas, and I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Sexual abuse, emotional abuse, addictions, and depression. Domestic violence. We are breaking the silence, healing the pain. Let's just put it out there. What do you think? Sex addiction is it a diagnosis or an excuse? It depends on the person itself and what we define as sexual addiction. All sexual addiction is not negative. Our topic tonight will be marriage versus living together. Does a piece of paper make a difference? Whoa! Whoa! What kind of are we referring to here? Let's clarify that. So come on, you survivors. Join us every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern so you can break the silence and heal the pain. Right here on SOAR. This is the Soul of America Radio. Breaking the silence, healing the pain. And welcome back to the show. We're discussing uh, alcoholism and drug addiction, mostly alcoholism it seems, uh, and how it affects the family. And uh, we brought out several things about um, how we feel it uh, manifests and how we feel it, you know, whether or not it's generational or behavior. And we've shared that uh, some of our family members uh, have, were drinking. And if you're listening and you want to uh, call in, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take some calls. Um, 323-784-9628. If you're listening and want to comment, press one. Uh, if you just want to say hi to us, press one. Um, so 323-784-9628. Okay. I'm told I got feedback. That's actually my twin. I got two people. I'm a twin person, so my other twin is talking. Yeah, that, that's a twin. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Oh, goodness. So since I'm having feedback, I'm going to shut up. And I wanted to say one thing before I did. Let me cut my, maybe it's my, um, You're my good. volume. You're good now. Oh, I'm good? Okay. Yeah. I told you. It's my evil twin. I wanted to say something <laughs> right quick. Uh, tonight's show, for me, uh, is is I'm, I'm I'm mixed about it because I'm thinking now. Okay, um, I hear myself now, and I don't know if it's because I'm crazy or 
I, I smoke weed in the 70s or what? Flashback. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we hear you saying too, but push on through. It's okay. Yeah, it's like LSD. Let me tell you something. Um, and, and I'm getting off alcoholism a bit, and I'm, I want to share something. Um, and this is a bit off of the relationship issue, but there are people. When I worked in the prison system, um, there were people there that were good people, Latasha. They, they, uh, good people. They were in prison. They had never had a record. They were churchgoers most times. Grand grandkids, older people, younger people, and. They were in prison. I, I worked as a prison guard at the maximum security one here, and they 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 were having a good life. Now, one night at a party, this particular gentleman took a drink, a couple of drinks, and left the function. And he crossed in the medium because he went to sleep. He says, hit head on with with a car, and killed a family. So this person was tested and came back positive for alcohol. So he was charged with manslaughter, and he was put in the not-jail prison. So now his family, his wife, his, his grown kids, his grandchildren, have this grandfather and father and brother and husband that's in prison. So all of a sudden they're looking going, okay, he he drank once or twice a week, but, you know, why is, is this happening? And I'm saying this to say that alcoholism is sneaky, and, and it don't always have to come in my mind with repeated drinking, repeated drug use. To me, it's the behavior, it's the pattern that you lay down. There are people in prison, there are people in the grave because of this stuff. And my choice was, my dad always told me, there's two ways that you're going to end up out of this, you know, doing coke and drug and all this stuff I was doing. That's in prison or in jail. I mean, I'm sorry, in, in, in prison or in the ground dead. And the decision, Janoris, that I made was to go get help because I could not help me. And my family was telling me I was weak. My family was telling me I was making bad decisions. I was a bad person. People were whispering, you know, Tony this, Tony that. But the fact is, I could not control it. So I'm saying all this to say that even though this show is revolving around the alcohol and drugs in relationships, it's it's really no way to isolate any particular facet of it because everybody's life is destroyed. You know, when, yes. my, when my mom yes. saw me down to 110 pounds, you know, uh, wearing the same clothes, you know, she, I, how did that affect her? She wasn't a drinker. Had I continued, how would it affect my son? You know, I got three sons. How would it affect them? So tonight's show, for me, I'm more wanting to, I'm not really interested in, I, I don't mind you calling and, and asking questions, but I'm more interested in letting people out there realize that it's much more than what we're talking about. So I just wanted it to share is. that because, to me, seeing a grandfather in prison, that could be me. That could have been me, Mark. That could have been me. But by the grace That's of right. God, today, I don't have to drink. Now, if I if I drink and it happens fine, but today, by the grace of God, I make a decision every morning that I'm going to be clean and sober. What do you think about okay. that, Mark? <laughs> sounds like a plan. That sounds like a definite plan. You know, Tony, I know a similar story. If you don't mind, I'd like to share this with you. Uh, oh, sure. Speaking of relationships, <laughs> excuse me, we're going to give you the condensed version. There were two very affluent couples in New York. One was a, a lawyer, attorney for a life law firm, and the other one was a pediatrician, husband and wife. The husband got involved with drugs. And before you know it, he started missing work. He started losing his clients. And his wife, who was not a drug user, tried to help him. But in turn, she got hooked with his, with his help. 
He ended up getting her hooked on drugs in order to make it easier for him. What happened, this wonderful power couple, as we would call it, all right, lost their home, Mm. lost all their luxuries, and went completely downhill. About three years later, they divorced and called it quits. About four or five years after that, the gentleman was invited to a church in New Jersey, and he went to this church. And as he was sitting in the church listening, as the, at the end of the service, the pastor opened the doors of the church. So anybody wanted to dedicate their life to Christ or rededicate their life, they could at that time. As he was sitting there contemplating it, guess who walked down the aisle? His wife. Mm. She walked down the aisle, and when he looked up and saw her, he joined her. Now, they hadn't saw each other in years from what I was told. But from that moment there, from that moment there, they began to rebuild their lives. So drugs cannot tear a complete family apart, and sometimes the spouse that weren't doing drugs can be drawn that drug down as well. So, Janoris, you were blessed. And you're very, very strong that you did not turn into an alcoholic, all right? But this couple, I'm proud to say right now that this couple end up remarrying and rebuilding their life. But at this point in time, they're dedicating their life to Christ. And now, that was a positive uh, mm, story wow. for me, all yeah. right? But it took, it took that. It, and... and there was divine intervention because he didn't know that she was going to be there, and I'm sure she didn't know he was going to be there. But it happened. But it can't wow. it can be just that devastating in relationships. Thank you for letting wow. me like share that story with movie. you. <coughs> Excuse me? I said I sound like the next Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> hey, you know that gives <laughs> us an idea. Maybe we ought to do that, huh? <laughs> Might have to get permission, but <laughs> you ain't lying about that. Now, I hope if Tyler, if you're yeah. listening, get Oprah in this too. Now, <laughs> right, right. Well, Latasha, you had mentioned some um, having been around it um, yourself. I don't know if it was family related, but did it? Have you ever? Uh, well, this is a personal question, but. I don't know if you drink, but have you, have you? I know we've talked about addiction in some some different facets, and and I'm I have addictive behavior, but have you ever uh, had to deter yourself or think differently? Has it ever crossed your mind that if family is involved, that it could affect you? Oh, absolutely. I do have addictive behavior. That's why I'm I try to be very cautious. You know what I mean? I know growing up, you know, I I had a tendency, I had that addictive behavior of wanting to smoke weed all the time, you know, and I saw what it was causing me. You know, when I get out of school, I wanted to smoke weed, you know what I mean? I know a lot of mine came from peer pressure at the beginning, but then as I continued to smoke it, I continued to constantly want to smoke. So... You know, and then I do have a very lot of addictive behavior. So I do have to be very wise, and it's just a daily decision for me. You know, I try not to give it that kind of power over me. So, yes, it does affect me. Well, okay. Well, go ahead, Mark. You going to say something? Oh, no, no, no. And I, by the way, I do hear the echo. <laughs> we were talking amongst each other. I'm going to bring somebody on. We got somebody holding one to speak because um, we can go on all night. We were talking about this in a in a private group, a conference call with us, and we had a lot of things to say. But I want to bring to the show Charlene. She wanted to uh, actually uh, say something. You're on. Hello. Hello. Hi, hey. Charlene. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hi. How are you? <laughs> okay, I just wanted to say I was I was listening to your show, and it's very interesting, and I'm and I'm really happy to tune in with you guys because I can relate to um, drug addiction in the family and alcoholism in the family because I had members 
um, siblings that has experienced drug and alcohol um, addiction. And it did affect the family, the whole entire family. Um, and to sit back as a young girl watching my siblings or my aunts and uncles um, be um, intoxicated, you know, and, and sick and having a withdrawal system and going to the program and their bodies and their health changing because of the medication and the drugs that did happen to them, it was sad to see that you couldn't do nothing for them. It was really hard to cope with it because um, I was maybe the only one, I can say in the family, one of the only ones in the family that when I watched that as a young child, never wanted to experience that for myself or my children. So, but it was sad because I couldn't help any one of them. But I did everything I could to be there for them. But you have to put um, you have to put up boundaries around yourself and learn how to to cope with their problem and understand that it is a disease that is and it can be overwhelming to the whole family, you know. And it takes a toll and it takes work, energy, time, and patience with. Them because of this addiction and this and it's, it 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 just overwhelms the whole entire family. It it, it takes over the children, the grandchildren, the aunts, uncles, and everybody. And as a family, we 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 stay together in unity and strength because that's where the strength comes from with unity. You don't just throw your family members out, and you don't just discard them because of this. You don't talk about them up and down the street. You don't. You know, just you have to embrace them and understand what they're going through because you don't know their story and you don't know their walk because you're not in their shoes. So sometimes you don't even know, even as siblings and family members that close to you, you don't even know what they went through because you're not with them 24-7. So once you're at a certain age and you're in the household and you're on your own, you don't know what they have encountered in their life, that they've been that way. You know, so you don't know what they had to do to get to where they are or just to survive in this world. You know, it's a very... Hey, Charlene. Yeah. Charlene, let me ask you a question about that because I I used and and drank, I used drugs and drank for 16 years, and I I wanted to ask you what you thought about this. If you got Mm -hmm. a family member, because didn't you say you had family members that were involved in this, like in alcoholism or drugs? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Um, How many times do you send them to treatment or do you make them aware of where they are and they reject you and stay out there? How many times does it take? Would it take you before you say, I'm beginning to get a little restless? In other words, you you say, hey, look, I need you to stop drinking and they're using drugs. And they go to treatment, they come back out, and they get on. You say, okay, I need you to stop. I need you to get your life together. And they come back out, and they get back on. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. You see their life slowly declining. And I hear what mm-hmm. you're saying, and I agree with mm-hmm. you, but how many times? It, I think every family has a different gauge of when they get enough of it. And some people say, well, the heck with it. He ain't going to never turn out to be nothing. He's going to always mm-hmm. be like that. And they start turning mm-hmm. on them. Right? Do you mm-hmm. think there's a? Did that ever get to that? Do you have family members that got yeah. to that point? I have. I've never given up on none of. Them. I don't care how many times it takes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep on going because it, it's that one time that you make you give up, and that may be the one time that they they are really listening. They're gonna listen to you at that time. Wow. So we don't know. The, we don't know the mm. day and time that this time's gonna wow. be. So really yes. we have the strength on God to keep on and doing what they're doing. And, and dealing with them on your own terms, and you have mm-hmm. to put boundaries to stuff, but you never give it. I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop reaching my hand out to them because it's one of them times where I might, I might get to them, or it's one of them times where I say, if I was, if I stopped, if I, I could say, if I had stopped, or if I hadn't have did this, maybe they would have, wouldn't be even here. So I'm not going to stop. It's going to be God's will. Whenever God is, whenever God is ready for them to stop, it's gonna be God's will. My job to me, to my family, is to be there, is to be available for them, and to be available to reach out to them, whatever they need. Now, it's it's not gonna be everything they need. It's gonna be boundaries. It's gonna be okay. I can do this, but I'm not doing this. It's gonna be like that. Because I God bless you, Charlene. 
God bless you. You are really, really a strong person and a soldier. And I wish that there were more people out there like you, all right, that will continue right. to fight the fight to help those yes. people. I really, yes. really do. Bless you, and thank you for calling you. in. We do appreciate yes. it. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, thank you. You know, thank you so much. she had a point. Great feedback. Great feedback. Oh, yeah. She yes, she did. Yes, she, yes, she yes. <laughs> we got a quick break we got to do, and we're going to wrap it up. We got 10 minutes. We Hang around. We got some stuff we want to tell you. Uh, and I got some something else I want to share when we come right back from the great, from the, from the great, from the break. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Sexual abuse, emotional abuse, addictions, and depression, domestic violence. We are breaking the silence, healing the pain. October 22nd, 2016, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., we will be hosting the Breaking the Silence Tour 2016 at the Marriott Hotel and Conference Center in Towson, Maryland. The seminar will feature three guest speakers who will share their stories and what they have done to overcome their circumstances. We will have question and answer breakout sessions with speakers and local professional counselors who specialize in sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug addiction. We will provide resources on the various topics and contact information for anyone who desires counseling. Please make plans to be there. Worldwide, Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soul. And we're back. It's uh, about eight minutes till, and uh, we've been talking about uh, alcohol and drug addiction, and we've got some good insights, and we want to thank Charlene for giving us some great information, and uh, she made some good points. And uh, we're going to wrap this up, and I want to say briefly that um, I really want, if somebody's listening and you just listening, because I know we got people out there listening. If you're not listening on the phone, you're listening in podcasts. I've been the person that listened to talk shows about alcohol and drugisms as I was getting high, wanting to uh, to stop. So if you're listening, hang on because we're going to get some resources out in about a minute and a half that you can tie into. But before we do that, I wanted to say that um, yeah, to me, it, it, it was, and I'm, and this is a little straight off subject. It was a spiritual relationship that helped me. So if you're listening and you really are hurting behind it because I cried many nights, man, uh, wanting to be off, but I couldn't. I couldn't stop. It was not me. It, it was I was another person, and my drug of choice wasn't alcohol. It was crack and marijuana, and so I couldn't just give it up. I, I couldn't just put it down. And thankfully, there were some people, one or two people like Charlene, that said, "Hey, um, I'm gonna hang in there with you." And these actually weren't family members. These were people that I knew. That hung in there with me. So if you're listening tonight, and that's what you're going through, and it's in, and you're actually the person, uh, hang in there. Uh, she's going to give you some resources. I want you to take advantage of that, and we're going to continue the discussion. But Janoris, can you give them some some people they can call or talk to if they are experiencing that problem? Actually, yes. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is a great um, organization and provides uh, help for people who want to have um, to get help with that call. And the website that you can go on to is um, aa.org. That's aa.org. All you have to do is put your zip code in or your city, 
and it will give you a huge list of local meeting places along with the addresses and the telephone numbers. Uh, once again, that's aa.org. And that's uh, also for uh, anyone who's seeking help from narcotics, and that's na.org, na.org. And the same thing, put your uh, zip code in or your city and it has many, many listings of um, telephone numbers and um, meeting places where you can go and get help. They have um, AA meetings just about every place. And in some of the largest cities, they even have it in the airports. Can you imagine that in the airport? If you're wow. in an airport in these huge cities and you're feeling the need, you can go and have an AA meeting. And also uh, mm-hmm. another thing that uh, Tony brought up when we were talking, Al-Anon. Al-Anon is a is a group that helps family members and friends of people who have um, drinking problems. So you can also reach out to Al-Anon. It's a great program. I was a member of it for many, many years. It helped me out tremendously. And you can reach them by calling 888-425-2666. Once again, that's 888-425-2666. Wow. Hey, uh, Janelle, if, if, if you don't mind, could you uh, post that on our website also for those that didn't Absolutely. catch it? I do appreciate it sure because I'm sure our listening mm. audience definitely want to take advantage of some of those numbers. Mm-hmm. That's, well. That's true. Tasha, before we go, Tasha, go ahead. what do you? I, I really—I'm not just saying this to feed your ego. Don't get that wrong. I really <laughs> appreciate the things that you come back with when you're questioned, uh, especially when we're in the in the in the in the conference. You really be throwing, you're throwing down. So, what did you get from this? What did you? What is your final take on it? If you had to say something that was final about it, what? What did you? What was your overall feeling about everything we discussed tonight? Overall, um, it's 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 really hard. Like um, I was listening to Charlene coming in, and just from her perspective mm-hmm. of how much she, you know, loves her family enough not to want to get up, give up. Yes. Then you have so some family that kind of suck the life out of you, and then sometimes you just got to throw your hands up and say, you know, right. I got to just let God do what he do, you know, and you, right. you got to back up and let them go through what they go through, and then when they're ready, you know, you embrace them and have them the open arms, you know. So I just gather that, you know, we just got to continue to love those loved ones. I mean, the ones that can love and not give up on them and not have to back away, then you got to do what's best for you in a situation. You know, I think that, you know, praying for them and being there for them as much as you can and letting them know that you've not left them, you're here for them, you want to help them, you want to help them to get the resources that they need, you know, and just constantly keeping them in prayers because I do know that God does move. And I know Amen. that God Mark, will protect them. Mark, we got about two minutes. What did you get out of it? Well, uh, I would just have to echo what uh, what Tasha just said, and um, it's just a wonderful thing to know that there are people out here that hasn't given up and won't give up, because that's the only way that we could put an end to it. All right, and that's to assist ourselves. Wow, Janoris. I just want to say for anyone who is suffering with alcohol addiction, reach out and get some help. Anybody that loves somebody that's suffering with alcohol addiction, encourage them. You can't make them but encourage them and hope that and pray that they will one day get the message and they will um, get some help. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you said it in a nutshell. I think Charlene took the word. She stole it with. Uh, don't give up, yes. and I agree with I agree with you. Don't give up because had somebody given up on me, man, I don't <laughs> I don't know that I'll be here tonight. Um, there's been so many times I I, I, I probably could OD, and so I just by the grace of God and people not giving up on me, I'm here. And so uh, next week's show, I appreciate everybody for pitching in and uh, everybody that uh, that was listening in. We got a, the people that wanted to listen in. Thank you. 
And uh, tonight, uh, next week, uh, we're going to do um, social media addiction. And um, it's going to be interesting because we've got a lot of different... Uh, we, Matter of fact, we started talking about this show uh, about a week ago, and we talked almost another hour on our conference about it. So we're going to discuss that, and we're going to put out some more things about it. But I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And my thing, what I got of it was basically don't give up and don't let anything make you think that you're losing because you're always winning. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for the social media addiction show. And then after that, we're going to wrap up the addiction series with a porn addiction. And so you want to hang around and get both of those. Nine o'clock, same time, same station, and we love you. And I'm just thinking I wanted to hear little Louis Armstrong as we're going out, everybody. What you think? Sounds <laughs> great. Great choice. Night, everybody. Great choice. Good night. Good night. Good night.